Welcome to the first episode of The Thea Show. In this podcast, I'm going to outline what Thea does and why it exists. And um, to talk about why it exists, I think the best way to do that is to start with my origin story as the founder of Thea. I grew up in New York City, and when I was young, no one knew that I had low vision. And so I didn't wear glasses, and I obviously couldn't see very well, but I didn't know that. And so many people thought that I was just clumsy or, you know, just a bit of a klutz, right? And, um, And it wasn't until I was about four years old that there was an incident, or at least the myth goes, you know, sometimes these stories get exaggerated over time. But the way that it's been told to me is that I was on a scooter in New York City and there was a red light and I didn't see the red light and I walked in front of a truck and, you know, it hit me. And then my mother sort of realized that there was a problem with my eyesight as that's sort of not a usual thing for a kid to do. And so we got it checked out and it turned out that, I, you know, severe eye troubles, which was not necessarily unexpected because... My father used to wear glasses and, you know, there might be something to that. But um, so I was diagnosed with low vision and I have a stigmatism. Um, and I had two doctors at the start. And one of the doctors was very uh, protective of me because of my condition I was at a more risky position to do activities like sports, uh, you know, team sports. uh, And especially when I moved to England, you know, rugby, that sort of sport is very physical. Um, And because I was uh, bigger than most of the other kids, I tended to like the sports that were more physical because I had a sort of advantage in that. And he wanted to guard me from those sports, right? He wanted to sort of just keep me in the classroom and make sure I was safe. And the other doctor wanted me to get to my full potential and not treat my diagnosis as something that was restrictive and something that would hold me back from, uh, you know, what I wanted to do and my ambitions. And so, um, obviously, the second doctor, his approach was more appealing to me. And so... I wore these, you know, thick sports goggles when I was young, because when you're young, you can't wear contact lenses. And I just got involved and I got stuck in and I developed in a lot of these sports. Uh, And the sport where, you know, I most developed was judo. And judo is a Japanese martial art. It's quite physical. Um, You know, there's chokeholds and uh, arm bars. And so many would consider it dangerous if you know you're not trained properly and you're a beginner. Um, but what make what might make it more dangerous is if you were blind and you couldn't see. And that was sort of my situation because the sports goggles uh, couldn't be worn on the judo mat. It was sort of dangerous. You know, you could scrape some with them or you could, you know, land on your face and it could uh, so be imprinted into your face and it was sort of dangerous. And so... I fought blind. And because I was bigger than these other kids when I was young, 
you know, we're talking about when I was you know, seven or eight. Um, I wasn't necessarily at danger or at a huge disadvantage because I could use my size to manipulate the opponents. But what it did do was make me realize uh, more about the motion. And it was beyond sight. You know, you have to preempt their moves. And, you know, I realized, like, if he moves this hip one way, then he's attacking with the other leg. And it's something that beginners don't often realize, but because I couldn't see everything, or at least I saw far more, far more blurry, I was forced to think like that. And when I wore contact lenses later on in my life, that was something that made me a far more effective uh, judo player. Um, and I think this is sort of an important lesson because my low vision was not a hindrance, but it actually helped me. It enhanced my ability once I could overcome it by wearing contact lenses. And so I think it's important uh, that as a community of people who have low vision, we realize the second doctor's opinion, the opinion that your low vision is not holding you back. In fact, it might even be a superpower. It might be something that can accelerate your progress. Uh, and when it can be fixed, for me, you know, wearing contact lenses helped me a lot. Um, when it can be fixed, you actually are now at an advantage to the other people in your cohort. It doesn't need to be judo. It could be uh, education, business, uh, anything like that. Because now you have, uh, a f you know, a competitive advantage. And, you know, one example of this is my education. So because of my low vision, I was forced to sit at the front of the classroom. And when you're at the front of the classroom, as opposed to the back of the classroom, there's a lot less mucking around and, you know, chaos. And you're forced, because you're closer to the teacher, to pay more attention. And so that definitely helped my academic ability over the years. Um, and so, you know, this... Low vision, you must, and it's not just low vision either, it's, you know, any sort of disability, I don't like that word, but anything that puts you at a disadvantage to others can be helped by yourself. Uh, but no one else is going to help you, and you need to look out for your best interests. And so this is where I think it's important for people in this theater community of, you know, low vision uh, adolescents and teenagers and you know children who are growing up uh, you need to speak up for yourself and say what you need you know you need to be confident in your accommodations these academic accommodations like if you need bigger paper or the ability to type in exams you must speak up about this because it is only then that um, you can reach your full potential but you must not use your low vision as an excuse to dissuade yourself from partaking in activities that you think are barred from you because you can't see like many, there are, you know, some examples of people with low vision, even blind judo players who are very successful. 
But judo is just a metaphor for where you challenge yourself and throw yourself in at the deep end in an activity that could have, you know, drastic consequences. But you do it because you think that it's important for you to grow. And martial arts isn't just fighting and self-defense, but it's also it's also um, teaches you discipline, right? And so it's important for character development. And I think that that's something that um, that we should all try and take part in, uh, especially in school. So, so you know, what is Thea? Well, Thea is an organization, or I would like to call it a community, where low vision uh, teenagers can congregate and discuss what challenges they are facing and take inspiration from me and, you know, the blog posts and the podcasts and use that as uh, uh, guidance to reach their full potential. And this is in the, on the sports pitch, in the classroom, or wherever you might find yourself. You must realize that when I was coming up, I never had anyone or anything like Thea to guide me, right? Uh, and so by just listening to this, you are already doing so much. You are part of a community and a support group, and that's very important. And it's a positive group. It's not something that would take Dr. One's approach to hold yourself back. But instead, we are trying to accelerate and uh, accelerate your progress, right? And so I hope this was valuable. We're going to keep these podcasts quite short, so they're bite-sized and you can digest them. And if you want, listen to them multiple times to absorb, you know, all sort of nuggets of, of wisdom that are in here. Uh, but I hope you read the upcoming blog posts and subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone else who's in a similar position to you. Thank you.